For many of us, all experience merely defines, so to speak, the shape of that gap where our love of God ought to be. It is not enough. It is something. If we cannot practice the presence of God, it is something to practice the absence of God. This is Pints with Jack, Season 5, Episode 70. Season finale and five-year anniversary. Good morning, everyone. Pints with Jack is your favorite weekly C.S. Lewis podcast. I'm David, and together with Andrew and Matt, we break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. And today, we come to the end of season five. In today's episode, we're going to look back over the past year, look forward to season six, and read some reviews and some mail. However, not only is this the end of the season, it's also an anniversary. (laughs) Because back in September 24th, 2017, Matt and I first published our very first episode of our podcast, which back then was called The Eagle and Child. And so that means that when this episode goes live and is published, we will officially have been in existence for five years. How crazy is that? (laughs) Well, David, you forgot to mention, I don't know if we've really done a official review, a reveal slash launch that we are officially a 501c3 too. This is true. So we we did this a a few months ago, actually, but it's all in place now. We wanted it in place for season six, and it's a big deal for us because whatever future plans the Lord takes us down uh, in the ministry, we can receive tax-deductible donations of all sizes uh, and from foundations and organizations that can only donate to 501c3s. And so that was something we were building towards, and we're excited to announce that as well. (laughs) So that's also important for our listeners Anything you've done in this year, if you're a person who goes past the typical standard deduction in your tax returns, you can use your Pints with Jack Patreon donations towards tax deductibility for this year too. And in something a little less quotidian, more uh, ethereal or ephemeral, your first episode, September 24th, 2017, was exactly 65 years to the date as what we had traditionally thought of as the first day that Lewis and Joy Davidman met in person. So they were supposedly met at the mitre on the 24th, but now thanks to my intrepid research, we have found that they met at least one week earlier. But if you look in your biographies about the first day that Lewis and Joy Davidman met, it was the same day that we started our podcast. (laughs) What what had changed to over those five years, David, from not just the podcast evolving in the sense of of where it's gone to from single weekly episodes to what it is today, from the most makeshift mic setups on an ironing board (laughs) to both of us in San Diego to now all of us pretty much spread across the country to a new host, to many books, to the plethora of guests that we've had, to multiple website iterations, to apparel, to scotch glasses, to... I mean, literally, just if you really lay out all of the ways it's evolved in five years, to a Slack community, definitely can't forget that, Um, to a 501c3, I mean, it's just been quite the five years. Yeah, we've been busy. No, David's been busy. I have. And I'm also enjoying uh, a beverage from one of our lovely Pints with Jack glasses. Uh, Speaking of which, I'd actually like to give a shout out to Todd Fraser's wife, who I saw on Instagram, had just bought him a Pints with Jack glass. 
That sounds like an excellent wife. Well done, Todd. Well yes. Done. <laughs> uh, and out of my glass, in celebration of our anniversary and the end of the season, I'm enjoying, naturally, some Lagavulin. So what are you gentlemen drinking? Well, I had to run and just quickly get my pints of Jack glass because I was poured into a different scotch glass. And I'm like, well, that's just not acceptable. <laughs> oh, crap. So we're now in the pints of Jack glass with a little bit of Macallan 18. Okay. This is the same bottle I drank with Alessandro on the Hallow episode. I tell you, I drink this stuff very, very rarely. Oh. Um, but I'm probably down to maybe two glasses left yeah. in the last year and a half. Boy, I made my Macallan 18 last for five or six years. And then the lovely woman who bought it for me I had done some work with her daughter uh, on um, when she was doing her senior honors thesis on... on Till we have faces. Thank you. <laughs> so haven't she yet. I can't drink. <laughs> she uh, she bought me a Macallan 18. And then when I saw her again in Oxford this summer, she bought me my other bottle of Kaula'ila. But this bottle of Kaula'ila is the one that Bud uh, sponsored. And so yeah, this is a first editions aged in a single cask. Uh, yes. Uh, one of these special limited edition things that I got on Turl Street in Oxford. And tossed into my suitcase. And so it is very, very lovely. So uh, I want to propose a toast certainly to our the sponsors of our individual bottles, but also to all of you listening. We want to toast your health, your increasing well-being, your increasing faithfulness and awareness of the love of God uh, expressed in all four forms. So cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. And I want to do a second toast. Second toast. <laughs> Going back to our roots and what we set out to do in the beginning with our mission to discover the truth and beauty of Christianity through the lens of C.S. Lewis, I'd also like to toast our listeners and maybe a toast slash a prayer that the Holy Spirit would continue guiding each and every one of us to the truth and beauty of Christianity through the lens of C.S. Lewis. Cheers. 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 Well, I'm not going to be outdone. Uh, I'm going to offer a toast <laughs> to our Patreon supporters specifically. Yes. Um, you know, thank you for supporting the show financially. You know, it's because of you that uh, I don't have to do audio editing typically and I get to spend more time with my wife and son. And it's because of you guys that we get to send uh, Pints of Jack Glass to every guest who's come on the show. Mm. And between the Skype mm -hmm. sessions and the After Hours episodes, I think we've given away about 40 this season. Mm. Uh, and it's because of you that we get to have fun, special one-off events like virtual tours of the kilns, live Q&A with Lewis scholars such as Dr. Ward, and uh, many other fun things which will be coming our way in uh, season six. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much and your good health. Cheers. 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 And let's just be completely honest, David, from the beginning of pre-Patreon to now, I don't think you've freed up any more time. You just replaced the editing time with a thousand after hours episodes this season. <laughs> well, I have plans for next season, so it's, yeah. it, at the very least, it'll definitely be used for next season. Well, I have bad <laughs> news. Well, not bad news, but I have not since my move been able to find my Glencairn Pints glass. So oh. I have a set of Glencairn glasses, and I'm, of course, using them, but I'll I'll hunt it up somewhere. I hope I didn't give it away. I may have given it away to Rowan Williams, though. So, you know, <laughs> that's good. That's good form if I did. Well, before we look back on season five, let's talk about next season. Because mm -hmm. listener Joy L sent me a message asking, first of all, when is it starting? 
episodes are going to begin being published at the start of Advent, so December 1st, which was a Thursday. So that'll be our first episode of next season. Next season, we will have fewer episodes because back when COVID started, we increased our episode production and we've been trying to chip back a little bit and I surveyed our Slack users and everyone said it wouldn't be a big deal to cut back a bit. So in season five, we had 70 episodes. Season six, I estimate we're going to have like 50, maybe a little less. Uh, we'll still have an episode every Tuesday, so you'll get an episode each week, but there are going to be fewer of those episodes on Thursdays. And we've mentioned it a few times before, but I recently actually had a couple of messages asking what book we're going to do next. And it's going to be Out of the Silent Planet, the first of Lewis's space trilogy, Ransom trilogy, sci-fi trilogy, whatever you want to call it. Interplanetary romances. There you go, says the <laughs> man getting a, a, a doctorate in romantic theology. Well, I, th I think that's what Lewis called them. <laughs> Well, that's actually another question that we've had for the people that do know that we're doing Out of the Silent Planet next. They asked, are we going to do Perilandra and that hideous strength in the subsequent seasons? And we will do them, but I don't think straight after. Because it is tempting, but we like to vary the literary genre each season. So we don't just do one set of letters and another set of letters or another very didactic Christian book and then another didactic Christian book. We... We like to show the range of Lewis's writings. And also we've got another reason, because in, around the time we should be starting season seven, an annotated version of Lewis's spiritual autobiography, Surprised by Joy, should be coming out from the Wade Center. Oh, So we're going to be pitching that pretty hard. And also it saves us lots of research. So we just read the footnotes <laughs> uh, and sound smart. Then I disagree with them and tell them where they get it, got it all wrong. Well, we should probably have a look in season seven then at Early Prose Joy as well. I think mm -hmm. it's good to skip around genres because uh, Paralandra and Out of the Silent Planet pair very nicely together. But that hideous strength is a bit of a jump from the other two. And <laughs> oh, so yeah. I always recommend, and in fact, I'm writing a paper and doing a presentation for Northwood Seminary uh, um, on the comparison of that hideous strength with Charles Williams' novel, Place of the Lion. And so if you've never read the trilogy before, I actually uh, encourage you to make it a tetralogy. Read Planet, read Paralandra, read Charles Williams' Place of the Lion, and then read that hideous strength. And that would clog up way too many seasons. So although I would like to charge through as well, I salute your idea of jumping around. And as in previous seasons, after we finish our primary book of the season, we'll have a number of themed episodes. Naturally, we'll have our usual Narnia month. And this time we'll be reading The Magician's Nephew. Which is a book about Venus and the last fiction that Lewis wrote before his next novel about Venus, Till We Have Faces. And since this is the book which is read first in chronological... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I wish we had a video of that. That was beautiful. Respect a big old... Uh, we'll right. probably Andrew, I'm cutting you off. Yeah. Uh, we sh well, I still have to go to church this, this evening. Um, Can we record that that uh, homily? Yeah, well, I'm not preaching tonight. So I oh. hope that we'll have Kristen back. She's got a, a bunch of great things mm -hmm. to say about Magician's Nephew. Mm -hmm. And since it's the first book in the chronological ordering of Narnia, expect plenty of rants about why you should do it in the publication order. Amen. Uh, also, this past season, I interviewed Dr. Jeffrey Johnson about the man whom Lewis referred to as his master, George MacDonald. And from the feedback based on that episode, 
we've decided that in season six, we're actually going to have a month devoted to MacDonald, discussing his theology, his imagination, his children's literature. And lastly, we're going to have a series which I'm rather anticipating will actually recur every season going forward. And we're currently calling it Jack's Bookshelf. The books which Lewis read were crucial to his formation. And so we think it's going to be good to spend a month each episode looking at some of the authors that really shaped him, like Shakespeare, Dante, Milton, Jane Austen. Because he read so much, uh, you know, one person, unless you're Jack Lewis, can't read all of it. So what we'll at least do is give you a bit of an introduction and maybe tempt you into some new authors that you might not have delved into or delved into very deeply. And don't worry, listeners, David said uh, a new ep- uh, an episode every a month every episode, but what do you... Oh, <laughs> uh, respectable. <laughs> a month every season. Yeah. Are these going to be like scholars we bring on of Dante that also know Lewis? Are we going to kind of just like bring a Dante scholar in and if they can connect it to Lewis, wonderful. If not, no big deal. Or what's your kind of thinking? I think generally we'll have people who are pretty familiar with Lewis. I can definitely say that yeah. the people I've got lined up for this coming season... They're all very, very solid Lewisian people who also have another speciality. So, for example, uh, Matt, if you remember, we met Sarah Waters at oh. uh, Montreat, and she is all about Lewis and Dante. Uh, Lewis and Shakespeare, sorry. Mm. Uh, so she uh, she'll be coming on to to do that. Just had a little back and forth with Sarah Waters. Um, I discovered an essay that Lewis wrote about how blackness should be portrayed in Othello. And it was just written on the front end pages of his Temple Shakespeare. And so I transcribed that for the first time. And then Sarah Waters has done some work with that. And so there's there's lots of good folks working on, on Shakespeare. What else do we have? Well, we'll also obviously have the great one-off guest episodes next season. There are a whole load of new books that have either just come out or will be coming out. So expect to see appearances from folks we had on before, like Dr. Harry Poe. Um, and also... Listeners might recall that during Poetry Month, uh, I discovered that there was Paralandra the Opera. And I've tracked down a recording. And so next season, I'm going to be chatting with John Ma, who's one of our earliest top-tier patron supporters. And he's also a music professor. So he and I are going to be talking about this opera. And something else that we're going to tweak next season is our YouTube channel. And we've actually just passed 2,000 subscribers. So thank you, all of you who have subscribed. And this season, I've been posting the episodes on Rumble, uh, but it hasn't really got much traction. And I don't really like the platform, so I'm going to probably stop doing that. Uh, But I have recorded more video episodes this season. And those will probably continue, but I'm changing the name. They're not going to be called Skype Sessions anymore because guests would often get confused and apologize that they didn't have Skype accounts and try and install it. And it was just occasionally had some issues. So uh, since these interviews are typically under half an hour, I think <laughs> I'll probably be renaming them Half Pints. <laughs> That's a clever name. Here, here. I like that. <laughs> and one final teaser. We have some exciting announcements about a couple of top secret projects that we've been working on, but you'll have to come back at season six to find out what they are. Wah, wah. <laughs> Do I know what these top secret projects are? You know some of them. I think there's. <laughs> I'm just. I think there's. There's one of them that you don't even know entirely about, but oh. I'll spring that on you soon. <laughs> mm, I'm excited. Wow. That means what I probably mystery. know none of them. <laughs> 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 well, before we talk about season five, why don't we read some reviews which our lovely listeners have left us on their podcasting platform of choice? Maybe just do a couple each. Sure. 
I also am curious how people come up with these names or if they're just randomly generated names. <laughs> Stam, Stam Kids. I think I know who that is. I am no talk show fan, so I'm coming to podcast late. It is amazing that I would so thoroughly enjoy the banter, friendship, intellectual conversation among these guys. Truly worth your time. You do yourself a disservice if you don't listen. Yeah. Oh, mm. that's great. I still hope <laughs> that we... I still hope we get to meet in the same room at some point uh, together. And I just had a chat with Marge Mead, the associate director of the Wade Center. And so maybe we can arrange a meeting in Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, M. Keeley says, I love the wit and fun you guys have in going through the works of C.S. Lewis. I just started listening to this podcast a couple months ago and go between this and White Horse Inn in the mornings as a form of devotions. Thank you so much. Well, and thank you, M. Keeley, and God bless you as you turn your heart to the Lord through these wonderful authors. Mm -hmm. The next one's from Jordan D. Duncan. This podcast is a beautiful mix of informed reading and thoughtful reflection. One could say they help us look at the beam, but best of all, I always walk away feeling like they have helped us look along the beam also. Mm. Mm. That one gets extra points mm, for alluding to yes. <laughs> Well, what we're doing is we're looking at the book. But they are looking along the podcast <laughs> to the book when we were talking about it. So, yay, good for you. I'm more thinking that that lines up to it, the discover the truth and beauty of Christianity through the lens of Lewis. Ah. It's the beam sending them to truth and beauty. Because it's all about clarity and seeing clearly as we find out from the great divorce. Yes. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do it again? Andrew, I'm trying to gurgle a sip that everybody can hear, but it's not a good thing to do with single malt scotch. So no, no scotch got, got yeah. spilled in the making of this podcast. I remember my first time drinking nice scotch. Wow. Wow. Yeah, my first time drinking nice scotch was before you were born, pal. So why don't you continue with courage to your heart? <laughs> Andrew was there when scotch was oh. invented. <laughs> I decided to call it Scotch because St. Andrew's and everything, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, courage to your heart. About a year ago, I had a mild interest in Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia and wanted to know more about him. I had just lost someone I loved dearly. Well, we're very sorry to hear that. Uh, and was craving some real new answers as well as just a distraction. So I'm grateful the search engine led me to Pinesfood Jack. I can say without exaggeration that this podcast has been life-changing. I had no idea how incredible, as Matt would say, that's when you know they've listened to a lot of episodes. <laughs> In particular, this person's clearly gone back to the early ones. I think they have a copy of the bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's probably true. How incredible Jack's works are. He was a master of making complex subject matter approachable and enjoyable. I had wished I had started reading him earlier in life. The hosts present the material perfectly. They are a pleasure to listen to and help so much in breaking down all that is hidden. They offer so much insight that I have to often pause the episode to ponder. Episodes oftentimes resonate so much that I am brought to tears, but fortunately, they also usually keep me laughing with their banter. Mm. I'm only at the end of season two. Yes, there we go. Going through from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But fully expect the greatness to continue. Cheers, fellas. Wow. She said all those nice things, and I wasn't even part of that. You weren't even Just there. wait for <laughs> the treat that she has. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good one, Andrew. Persona's Bud said, 
This podcast is both entertaining and relevant if you are new to C.S. Lewis or have read every work that he has ever produced. The host knowledge of the topic is deep and profound. That's plural hosts, but you know, we'll let that stand. (laughs) Often on podcasts, the hosts only want to show off their knowledge of the topic. It's important for me to note when guests appear on the podcast, they allow the guests to take the main stage. Like skilled interviewers, they provide questions and comments to facilitate the discussion without taking over the conversation. This allows the guests to speak freely and maximizes the quality of guest episodes. Imagination is such an important part of Lewis's writings, it seems only fitting that they have set an imaginary stage where each podcast is taking place in an English pub. At the start of each episode, you hear the door open, and you're allowed to enter a room where friends have gathered around to enjoy a pint of their favorite beer or some fine single malt. My advice to you, get a glass of your favorite beverage, sit in a comfortable chair, load up an interview, an episode, and allow your mind to be broadened by hearing thoughts, words, and insights of one of the greatest writers of our time. Further up and further in. Hear, hear. Isn't that a lovely review? It's also quite long and interesting. You just like it because they spelled favorite with a U. Well, that's how you know they're a quality person. <laughs> I always appreciate when people, I don't know if this is like acknowledge or the, the interviewing side of things, because I, I, I think I speak for all of us. We try to be very intentional not to put our own views on it, but just like, hey, this is a chance to like people speak. And I know, David, you did a lot with the ecumenism month, and there's probably people on there that you... <laughs> did I say that right? Did I say that right? Ecumenism. Ecumenism. Dang it. Ecumenism. I saw their faces. <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were saying nice things about it. It's a gabickle. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, it, it's... Because that is something I try to pay attention to when other podcasts I'm listening to is when they try to steal the attention or like push their agenda. And I'm like, hey, you're just bringing this person on to allow them to share their side and to be able to learn from them and to dive. And at best, maybe you dive a little bit deeper into something you disagree with just to hear them expand on it more. But I always find it disrespectful when the interviewer like tries to disagree too much. Well, and I'm going to have to uh, echo what you say and raise a glass to our intrepid David Bates, because as often as not, I'll be assigned interviews, I'll click on the document and just about any decent question I could possibly want to ask is already there. And and David has really done the yeoman's work to set the stage. So so to David. To me. To David. <laughs> well, our last review is from C.S. Lewis Fan. Pints with Jack is a wonderful podcast. I've listened to every season at this point. It's the perfect thing to play in the background that simultaneously entertains, challenges, and uplifts you. The hosts are super knowledgeable about Lewis and make the subject matter feel approachable, no matter how challenging the topic. David is so knowledgeable about everything. Oh, sorry. <laughs> David is so knowledgeable about everything from scripture and literature to the church fathers and philosophy. Uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt brings a, relate- a relatable vulnerability to the show and is fantastic at gleaning the practical everyday lessons and takeaways that from even the most lofty of topics. Andrew knows more about Lewis's life than I thought was possible to know and brings an infectious passion for the subject matter. I've learned and I've grown in my faith by listening. It feels like food for the soul. Thank you for making it all these years. Mm. Mm. You're welcome. Well, cheers, and if you thanks. also write uh, an interview praising us heavily, you also probably read out the season finale next season. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of this. <laughs> I don't know. There may be too many to choose from. It's going to be so oh, good. <laughs> yes. 
Well, let's let's now look back at season five, gentlemen. What uh, were your thoughts and takeaways from our book this season? First of all, the the four loves. So many thoughts. I was trying to to balance when I was thinking through this in preparation for this episode. I was tempted to go back and to dive into the notes deeply and just to refresh myself. But then I wanted to just take a step back and say, what actually stuck with me? It's been probably six months since we recorded the last episode. You know, what, what actually sticks with you? And that's probably what hit me the most throughout it. And the first idea that I just huge takeaway from it, and I love St. Augustine in the ordering of love, rightly ordering of loves. So the inordinate love, I thought was a super beautiful idea in the way Lewis approached it. And particularly, and it stuck with me to this day, this idea that we don't love earthly things too much. We love God too little. And it that wasn't something you necessarily recognize in the first third or half of the book until you get to the divine love. Because you you almost as you're going through the book have this fear that, oh man, am I just not supposed to love things? Like, oh, I mean, I'm a little worried I'm gonna love my kids too much. I'm a little worried I'm gonna love a friendship too much, or I'm gonna love my spouse too much. And and then you're like, okay, but then what's the right amount of love? And it's like none of those are the right questions. It's just making sure you are focusing on loving God to the maximum and the others will all fall into place. Mm. And so I really did appreciate that idea. And that stuck with me. It's it's a very, it feels much more implementable, (laughs) I guess, (laughs) than the other ones of trying to find this right balance of how much do I love my kid, but not too much. Yeah. I was talking about it again today as I spoke uh, with the wonderful folks at All Saints Winter Park uh, here in Florida. I was a guest speaker and preacher. And this idea that the opposite of love is pride, right? The opposite of pride is love. I love what you said, Matt. It's not that I love these things too much. I do, but it's because my love of God ought to be raised. And so I shouldn't love less. I should love more. And then one of the essays, I hope we have listeners talked about maybe doing some essays from time to time. Um, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about that. One of Lewis's great essays is an essay called First and Second Things. And as the title suggests, mm-hmm. it's about ordering priorities, Right. And we talked about it all season. Love ceases to be a demon when it ceases to be a god, but it's loving the right things in the right proportion and the right way, which is really the the answer um, to to so much of that. And and for me, it was a great reinforcement um, this year of that wonderful book that I have loved for so long. Also, I heard this this really fantastic idea from Michael Ward in Oxford a month and a half ago or so, um, and he talked about. Um, looking at, for example, the abolition of man as as an at book and that hideous strength as an along book. They're both Mm -hmm. dealing with the same subject, but in two different perspectives. So in the same way, and I'm not doing this gratuitously, um, the four loves is looking at love and and to have faces is looking along love. But Lewis is... Yeah. I w- I wasn't being gratuitous, but Matt was. <laughs> don't don't attempt third time there, Andrew. <laughs> no, done done with that. But um, but how Lewis is writing so deftly, and and the four loves is in some ways Lewis kind of grabbing our attention and saying, "Hey, you missed it," and this is really important because the two great commandments are the love of are the love for God and the love for neighbor, 
And the great thing is the love of God for us. And Lewis, I think, strives mightily and helps uh, helps greatly um, in, in focusing again, as Matt was saying, the need for us to continue to love more. If our listeners can get out of the season, heck, if I can get out of the season, thinking about how to go out of myself a little bit more, how to soften my heart towards another and harden my heart towards my own uh, wants and needs. I think that that would be time well spent. Just as an aside, I was going to mention this later. There is actually now a podcast called Lesser Known Lewis, and they are going through Lewis's essays. Um, They've reached Mm -hmm. out. We have talked. There will probably be a crossover at some point, but uh, they're really great guys. So go and listen to them. I think it's well worth listening. Well, and I should we should also also mention that um that Jerry Root has got a book called The Neglected C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. and so, I made sure they knew about it. Ah, good. <laughs> uh, it was it was fun for me to review a copy of that. I wrote a little blurb for them, um, but I think that that also brings another highlight of the season was our conversation with Jerry Root and mm-hmm. listeners. We hope to do that uh, a great deal more. Yeah. I want to call the segment Getting to the Root of Things. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, speaking of getting to the root of whoa, things, whoa. the uh, oh, I know this was my that's probably my best Batesian transition ever. <laughs> the other part that really stuck with me was a garden analogy. Mm. And we've talked so much even prior to this book about the role that divine loves divine love plays in saving the natural loves from themselves. But if you if you're like me, who always asks like the question, all right, well, what does this actually mean? I mean, that's a great statement, but I don't really know what that looks like, the divine love saying the natural loves from themselves. And I felt the garden analogy did an incredible job breaking down the two parts to that. And one part is much more tangible and the other part is still tangible. Just before you go any further, would you mind just reminding listeners, because it's been a while, what actually is the garden analogy? Yes. It's the idea that if you don't do anything to like a forest or woods or wherever you're going to put a garden, it's just going to be weeds. There's going to be stuff growing, but it's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to be kept. It's not going to be the way you want. It's going to be very wild. A garden requires putting boundaries on things. A garden requires digging things out, putting things in, maintaining things. And that's where there's this two parts. And I'll explain this now and then come back to the garden thing. Virtue and grace. So think of the virtue side as the gardening, our role in maintaining the garden, making sure we're putting restraints around the garden to keep certain things out, to allow certain things to come in, to try to pull up weeds. That's our daily striving for virtue. With that said, and this is where I think this is such a powerful analogy, the grace side of it. If you do all of that, but you have no sunlight, doesn't matter. Your work is completely fruitless. And so if you don't have the natural things, or I guess actually more like the divine things that are coming in that are provided from our Heavenly Father that allow the garden to grow, your work, and I'm actually using that word intentionally here, is worthless. And so it's a really beautiful analogy of we still need to do stuff. If you just let the sun and the water come in without any of your effort, it's not going to actually work either. And I just thought that analogy was incredible of really the balance between virtue. That's really a lot of what we do in our daily life and the importance of striving for virtue. And don't be turned off by that as like, oh, it's work, you're earning heaven. It's not. 
and then the grace, mm-hmm. the, the the sun coming in. And so I just thought that was an incredible analogy of how we, our natural loves, we we look at it that way. What's the way that we can make sure we're bringing virtue to our friendships, virtue to our affections, virtue to our arrows, but never forgetting that it's the grace that comes in. Now you can also unpack how do we receive that grace? Let's go back to Lewis of, of the divine um, life from belief, bread, baptism. You know, that's that's more from his. I think different denominations might expand on that a little bit, but that's a good Lewisian starting point, making sure you are receiving the sacraments, make sure you're receiving the, the Holy Communion, make sure you are spending time in scripture. Those are the ways you receive that grace, prayer. Um, so I, fe- I feel like that's all very tangible things, and that really helped me specifically. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I'll remind you that Lewis's um, description of how to acquire a virtue is to repeat an action until it becomes a habit, and to repeat a habit until it becomes characteristic of who you are. So if I want the the Mm -hmm. virtue of humility, I should, first of all, admit that I'm proud right? That's what Lewis says in as the first step to humility in, in mere Christianity. And then I should acknowledge my pride, and then I should examine the sources, and I should take some steps, and I should hold my tongue or ask about somebody else. I should take some action about pride, that take some humble actions, and then I should beca- make that into a habit until that kind of starts to sink into me. I love the the garden analogy because it reminds me of what Lewis said elsewhere about the task of the modern educator. He said it's not so much to tear down um, jungles, but to irrigate deserts. But I think that while that may have been true in the 1940s or 50s when Lewis wrote it, I think that now our task is to tear away those things that obscure us and keep us from the actual garden, as well as irrigating the uh, the deserts and turning them into gardens. Well, for myself, going through the four loves this time, as always, I appreciated going through a book slowly. Mm-hmm. And I almost felt ready to take on Dr. Love himself, Dr. Jason Lapoyavi, after we'd finished and try and go toe to toe uh, talking about love. Uh, unfortunately, I still don't think I quite know what love is. Uh, and so I'm actually doing his Theology of Love course at uh, Davenant Hall, which will be starting, I think, later this month. Wonderful. I'll be curious to your answer because I, I didn't walk away from the four loves being able to answer that either. But what I will say is I was, I did feel like I could answer much better, like what, love is relative to God in relation to God. Mm -hmm. So I might not be able to answer it in an absolute basis, but I feel like I can really better understand what everything looks like in relation to God. Well, I had a Skype session with a Dominican from the Dominican House of Studies in DC uh, to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas' conception of love. And I'd actually say it mapped fairly nicely onto the four loves, but offered a bunch more clarity. For example, you know, affection is there's a lot of biology, and uh, definitely so is in uh, in eros. Whereas, say, friendship is more intellectual. So, Thomas makes more distinctions between these different kinds of things, and he actually he sets up his framework chiefly in terms of concupiscent love and benevolent love. So, concupiscent love is when I want I love something because of what I get out of it, which is kind of like need love. And then benevolent love, which is when you're loving something for itself, which is rather like gift love. And so it was really interesting to come at the subject again 
now with yet another different lexicon, but with somebody else's framework still very much in my head. Uh, and I think that offered a, a good deal of clarity. But I'll check back in once I've finished the Theology of Love course and give my uh, definitive answer. <laughs> you should either drop that on the podcast feed, that sounds incredible, or great excuse for listeners. That sounds like a fantastic interview, especially for this season. So go over to the YouTube channel and check it out because I'm like, dang, I'm, I might have missed that one if you didn't mention anything. That sounds good. It's also on the website. Davenant has a, a podcast and uh, Joseph Minich and Dale Sternberg uh, invited me on a couple of times uh, to, to do some stuff. And so they've got some great things going on. And anybody who can get Dr. Love uh, is, is well along the right, the right path. For me, the definition that I get from the, the talks that became the four loves to go out of the self towards the other is uh, as a, as a minister, as a theologian, it's a great starting place for me that that two components, they also involve action. And we notice we know that Lewis didn't think of something unless he was going to actually do something about it. So to go out of myself, you know, he must, I must decrease, St. John the Baptist says, and to go towards the other, he must increase. I think that that's almost, I hadn't thought about that as a biblical model, but um, but I, that to me is a great helpful starting place. Well, in the lectionary today, it was retelling the story of the prodigal son and the priest priest was a fantastic homilist i he just moved to the era i hadn't heard him before uh, and he made a big deal about the fact that the father runs out to meet the son hmm. mm. <laughs> we're on a we must be on a diction, different lectionary track because uh our lessons that i preached about are um jeremiah talking about how foolish people are and stupid and then the fool says in his heart there is no god and Paul talks about his foolish behavior and unbearable ignorance. And then we meet these foolish Pharisees in the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. Oh, we had just had the prodigal son at the end of it. We had all of the lost things today. Uh, okay. It was probably just the truncated version. Ah, yeah. Well, I, I preached a message called um, the biblical and, um, and lectionary guide to how not to be an idiot. And I quoted <laughs> from the ag- apocryphal gospel of Dwight Schrute. I was just going to say, I always think to myself, what would an idiot do? And I don't do that. And I don't do that thing. But (laughs) that idea of not being idiotic is this idea of the repentance, the turning around, the going home is what Frederick Mm -hmm. Buechner calls repentance. And that is that prodigal son. So it's returning to where you know that love awaits you despite what you have done. And that's constantly the move. That's the move that I need to make every day returning to the place that I know that love awaits me despite the things I've done. Well, what were some of the other highlights of this season for you guys? Favorite interviews, favorite series? I'll say I'm, I'm biased, obviously, but I, I really enjoyed a Severe Mercy Month. <laughs> it was fun to be able to go back to that so many years later as a very different person, as hopefully slightly smarter with life, maybe slightly more mature, a little bit more knowledge around Lewis. Uh, and so I, it was a joy to go through it, honestly, very selfishly. And it was a joy to be able to share that with our listener base and hopefully inspire a few to read the book. And then I guess the other two things that I really loved about the season, Andrew, get ready. I thought that uh, Andrew and Jerry Root episode was literally mind blowing. <laughs> I mean, that like the the way there was a very, very unique relationship of how you guys fed off each other that really worked with your personalities, your expertise. Uh, it was 
it was very unique to see. I was like, man, I could listen to this. The only disappointment I had was it like when it stopped, I was like, really? I would love another hour or two. <laughs> it was 104 <laughs> degrees outside and I was smoking a pipe. <laughs> you were smoking in every sense. <laughs> I was smoking in every sense. It just kept going from, it pulled together so many threads of Lewis seamlessly in pulling on different works, but then also it wasn't overly academic. It was incredibly relatable. It brought in beautiful like theology. It brought in love. It felt relational, but yet it was still academic to some degree. So I can't wait for getting to the root of it. Thanks. For, yes. That was uh, those two were highlights for me too. Um, it I marvel a little to hear your reaction because that's just how it is every single time Jerry and I sit down. Um, but that's also I this enormous gift. And so when I first met Jerry Root in 1997, I felt almost kind of not bullied to the corner. But I mean, his knowledge of Lewis is so vast. But it's kind of like with Kirkpatrick. I kind of learned my chops from Jerry. And if I could argue Jerry to a standstill or even defeat him from time to time in a point, um, it felt like a Viva. Uh, Viva is a live um, uh, exam. So you go before your examiners and they just pop you with questions and you have to answer on the spot. So talking with Jerry is always like that. Last couple of times I've been able to hold my own. And once after he, we had a long conversation over breakfast, he dropped me off where I was staying and he said, you know more Lewis than I do. And I'm like, okay, lying is a sin and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Bearing false witness is against the great. He said, no, I know where it is, but you have more swaths of Lewis actually memorized. Mm -hmm. And boy, Mark Twain said he could go six months on a good compliment. That's been at least 10 years. Um, but it's a joy. And I think that some of that is that Jerry has got such an evangelistic heart, such a ministerial yes. heart. Um you do too. Yeah. Well, and I hope that so that's been growing off each other. Um, in me. And so that was just just great fun. But it just felt like the kinds of conversations that Jerry and I all have or often have. And so I'm glad that you all were able to eavesdrop. And I too loved the Severe Mercy Month. Loved talking with Will Voss. Loved reading his book about Sheldon Van Ock and, and knowing more about that. And so it's been years since I had revisited um, and the day that I finished my coursework at Virginia Seminary and got a chance to read a book that I wanted to read, what I took was Davies, uh, Davies edition of A Severe Mercy to, uh, to, mm -hmm. to graduation rehearsal. So that was, a, that was a such a pleasure to do as well. I guess my very final thing was this horse and his boy. Incredible. I really loved the idea on identity. And I think that's a, a beautiful journey. I, I, I always resonate with those things. I think the reason I love historical fiction books, World War One, World War Two, is particularly these ones that like boys go to men or these characters of just growth throughout that. You mean a Bildungsroman? That just went way over my Bildungsroman. head. Bildungsroman. <laughs> it's a German word for a coming of age novel. Ah, it was a literary and you term just for thought that. he'd had too much scotch. <laughs> <laughs> he saves himself, and you totally redeem yourself. <laughs> it points to the dumb listeners that get that one. Yes, I love the, the coming of age kind of aspect of that, Matt. It's funny, actually. That was my description of you, Andrew, what, what Jerry said. It, it, what impressed me about you wasn't the fact of what you knew about Lewis, but the fact that a lot of his texts tripped off your tongue. Mm. Mm. I thought, eh, this is somebody that doesn't just know it, but feeds on it. 
Mm. Well, it is very nourishing. And I think that that's, uh, I appreciate you saying that feeding off of it is, is, uh, you know, and he continues to be so nourishing. Mm-hmm. Well, for me this season, I really love the fact that we got to know more of Lewis's circle. You know, we had some interviews about Warney Lewis, Joy Davidman, George McDonald. And I've got to say the Dr. Havard interview was an awful lot of fun with Sarah finding out about this inkling that I knew next to nothing about and discovering that he's just as interesting and just as fascinating as the others. Uh, It just reminds me that I've just got to keep doing this podcast until I'm dead. Um. (laughs) Well, and the fact that she's Diana's student and she, I believe, uh, please correct me, I think she was the one who discovered and told Diana that Dr. Havard wrote poetry, um, which opened up a whole different aspect to, uh, to Havard as an inkling. What else this year, David? Uh, We just had some great months. They were all amazing. I don't think I can pick one out of it. Uh, But I will say I really loved the (laughs) introduction of the common room uh, Mm -hmm. this season. Just having the three of us just jump on half an hour, hit record, and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was great fun. And we also just had some really fun patron events. You know, when we got to chat with our listeners and we got to do some really cool things like watch the Narnia Code and then grill Dr. Ward about his thesis <laughs> afterwards. He was so mortified that he paused. Um, he said he'd never had a, had a pause like that in answering a question. So <laughs> uh, We definitely made him work hard. And that will attribute it to the heat yes. waves. Um, and the punting accident. He had, a, he had a, a punting mishap and he came away with a black eye from that. Um, I finally found out what it was. Um, he had been punting with a friend. I thought he got hit with a paddle or something. He said, "No, I got punting with. I was punting with a friend, and then, as I am wont to do, when we finished punting, I pushed my friend into the river, and he pulled me in afterwards, and I hit my eye on his head. <laughs> That's why I had a black eye. Oh my so goodness! So that puts a whole new light. The 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 Wheaton um, Patreon tour, too, mm-hmm. right?" Uh, what yeah. a joy to be in that space. I love those people. And, you know, also just even at the Chesterton conference, I got mm. to meet some listeners who enjoy the show. And mm. that, that, that is always just wonderful. It's always nice just to put a face to somebody that's on the other side of, the, of our microphones. Mm-hmm. Well, time is marching on. So not only have we had some listeners submitting reviews, we've also had some lovely messages sent to us via Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and our contact us page on our website. And we've got more than we could ever possibly read in a single episode. But how about we just do a handful? I'll kick things off with Tony O, who wrote a haiku for season two. This is the lovely thing about having a podcast where there are past seasons, because people go back through them and then they they send you comments and suggestions. (laughs) And he wrote a haiku for when we were doing The Great Divorce. Green obsidian, the meadowlands of heaven. Ouch, that hurt my feet. (laughs) <laughs> joy l currently in the four loves i couldn't have read this book without your help as it's difficult to understand so i'm really grateful thank you oh you're welcome joy marty w i'm only midway through screw tape i'm listening to you in publication order here well, here here's the publication order <laughs> are you familiar with the linear library in houston actually i'm quite familiar with it um I visited there a number of times. I met Alistair McGrath there uh, for the first time um, uh, a number of times. Last time I saw Chris Mitchell, 
um, God rest him, was at the at the Linear Library. It does have a large collection of Lewis items, and Charlie Starr has been there and has done a, a, a fair bit of authenticating and dating of some of their original autograph manuscripts. I love pints. With, I love pints with Jack. Thank you for creating it. Well, you're welcome, Marty. Our pleasure for sure. And he sent me some pictures of the library, which you can find on our website. Ah, marvelous. Yes. From Christopher B. One of my aunts told me about your podcast a few years ago. It took some time for me to warm up to podcasts, but I decided to listen to your first episode on friendship about a month ago, and I've been intentionally listening to The Four Loves and binging Screwtape ever since, as well as Orthodoxy through Pints with Chesterton. Well done, sir. (laughs) Phil W. Love your content. Please keep it coming. Any plans for another round of coffee mugs? Thanks and cheers. Possibly. Unfortunately, we can't do coffee mugs on an ad hoc basis as we can our glasses, which means we have to order a load, get them sent to my house, and then send them out individually. So it's a bit labor intensive, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point next season that happens. Ah, But watch this space. Good. Mike G says, gents, I just want to say thank you so much for the podcast. It's been a real blessing and I've grown in my appreciation of C.S. Lewis. And more importantly, I've grown in my faith because of it. Oh, amen, Mike. I appreciate all the work you do behind the mic and behind the scenes. That's David. And I also want to acknowledge and thank your families for sacrificing their times so you can invest into the podcast and into us. Thank you. My wife pays a price for this and she's glad to pay it, but I appreciate your your kind wisdom in acknowledging that. Uh, be blessed, brothers. And indeed we are. And in a similar vein from Marilyn P. Hello, David and Pints of Jack folks. I want to say congratulations and welcome to Alexander. For new listeners, that's my son. He's just turned one. Such a blessing. I think you may come to know experientially, if you haven't already, what I consider to be the key difference in the output levels between Lewis and Tolkien. Not only was Tolkien running a department as a professor, he was raising not one, not two, not three, but four children. His writing time was basically something like 1 to 3 a.m. Every blessing, Marilyn. (laughs) I think there were other things going on there as well. I don't doubt that children were time-consuming, but uh, let's just say I think Tolkien had a couple of character flaws that he could have worked on. (laughs) (laughs) I just read recently that um, when Clyde Kilby came for a summer in like 1972 or something like that uh, to help Tolkien finish the Silmarillion, um, Kilby was there all summer really pressing Tolkien. At the end of the summer, Tolkien said to Kilby, see – you weren't able to make me do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I agree with he that. Was, he was a, a dilatory man. Definitely. Oh, one from Poland, Matt. I know. Katarzyna. Katarzyna. I think roll it is. With that. Katarzyna P. Hi, greetings from Poland. I am just writing to let you know that I am very grateful for your podcast as it helps me grow in my spiritual journey. I'm still catching up as I started listening long after you launched the podcast, and I don't want to miss any episode. I am now at the beginning of Screwtape, so still a lot behind. I'm so happy Lewis wrote a lot of books because you still have a lot to cover. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of joy ahead. One more thing. I just love the chemistry, firstly, between the two of you and then all three of you. It is a great joy observing how you relate to each other. Once again, a big thank you for what you are doing. Blessings. Kajia. Yeah. Lovely. Mary B says, you've made our six hour drives between when we're, between when we're living 
and where we're building our house way more productive. I actually look forward to the drives because of Pints with Jack. Mary, I would suggest you get a faster car, but uh, then you might miss something. So I'll just hold off on that. Now, for the next one, if you recall in our Horse and His Boy episodes, when we were talking about Shasta and Corrin, we mentioned the various Trading Places movies out there, like Freaky Friday. And one of the movies that I mentioned was the 1988 movie Vice Versa, starring Fred Savage. Well, in response to that, on Facebook, Cody Q pointed out something amazing. He said, Vice Versa was a remake of a movie from 1948, which was based on a book by F. Anstey, of which C.S. Lewis was a fan. From what I remember hearing, he loved the book's negative portrayal of boarding school. It's a fun read. You should check it out sometime. Hmm. How is that for a connection? Nice. I love it. Next one isn't quite so much a message, but we were tagged in a blog post from Peggy Hassler where she asks, how did I not know about this podcast? Pints with Jack, already in its fourth season, is a feast for Lewis lovers, and its third season was devoted to Till We Have Faces. Lucky you, Andrew. (laughs) These conversations are the perfect companion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Companion to the book with quick summaries of each section and interviews with experts along the way. I could binge on this podcast forever and not catch up, but I'm trying. And David, was this the one that also you sent me the hallow thing for? So that was, I sent it along to Alessandro and he was like stoked. So she listened to the hallow interview with Alessandro, was convinced to get the premium content and now fully sees why you have to pay for it because of just what an incredible mm-hmm. production quality, content quality, user interface, everything that goes into building that kind of experience. And it was cool to see her. Uh, just praise it so highly. Great. Uh, next comes, uh, we were also tagged by Michael Kelly Poetry. That's Kelly with two E's. Uh, after two months, I just finished binging through every single episode to date. Wrote this haiku to... Whoa. Yeah. Wrote this haiku to express <laughs> my gratitude to the co-hosts for the great work they do. Sadly, the best segment of the show only lasted for the second season, during which David wrote a haiku for each section. Sorry, Matt, but your disdain for poetry is unacceptable. Though as a poet, I may be biased. <laughs> wow, did he include the haiku? Uh, I, I can't remember if that was the one that I read earlier or it was elsewhere. It was wonderful, I'm sure. <laughs> it was wonderful. I'm sure it was quite good. And I'd like to see... I read it again. There we go. (laughs) Haiku on the spot. No extra charge. Well, gentlemen, that's pretty much the wrap up of season five. So before we do the official sign off and Andrew runs off to somehow drunkenly officiate another service, uh, what are you guys? We drink wine at our service, dude. (laughs) This is is just a, a cocktail appetizer. Uh, Catholics also drink wine at our services, but only accidentally. <laughs> Domestic scholars are <laughs> falling about themselves right now. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a funny joke. Uh, but what substantially? <laughs> my jokes are always substantial. Mm. Uh, but uh, what are you guys going to be doing between now and the start of season six? Prepping for season six. Obviously, I have purchased, if listeners want to follow along, I've purchased Deeper Heaven, A Guide to the Ransom Trilogy. I don't remember what Diana Glyer's book is called. Compass. Wait. Compass for Deep Heaven. Yes. 
Compass for Deep Heaven and then obviously the book itself. So over the next couple months, I will be reading all of those or at least the parts that relate to the season. Let's be honest. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. (laughs) There is such a thing as being (laughs) overprepared. Yeah, I can't be overprepared. I would lose my role on the podcast (laughs) as the person that's just kind of fumbling along. Um, And then with the work thing, uh, that's actually just going to be the final part of the three-part project, a year-long thing. So going back into crank mode starting tomorrow, actually. And then getting very excited from doing this health and wellness optimization going into year end. I'm like three weeks in of just like insanely healthy eating, pretty much no alcohol. Um, And uh, a lot of fitness stuff. I did this massive blood work and it came back all really quite positive. But there's a couple areas I want to optimize. And uh, finally, I'm doing the School of Prayer group, which I'm I'm excited for. I got asked about it just a couple weeks ago and just classic me impulsively kind of said, you know what? I felt a little bit of resistance in my heart. And then I was like, that's a good sign that this could be good for me. <laughs> um, it's it's with it's similar to that, like that last retreat of nine months. This is a different um, denomination, a much more, um, yeah, very different from the Catholic denomination, actually. Um, and that's probably where a little bit of hesitancy is coming in. And that's what also gets me excited because I like to, I like to, kind of stretch myself that way and to be around people with just different theological backgrounds. Um, and so I'm looking forward to this. It'll be like six or eight people meeting for nine months every other Monday night. And uh, it should be very beautiful time to grow. Uh, this one's going to be very much about like prayer in the context of social justice in the world. Now this person does a, pl- a prison ministry and a black prison ministry as well. And I'm very excited for that. Um, just a very, he's very much like, if you've ever read the book, Shane Claiborne, someone described to me as like, he's kind of like a Shane Claiborne-esque type person. Cool. Great. Andrew? Finishing my degree with Northwind and preparing for ordination, which should pl- take place sometime in early January. Uh, and uh, continuing to kind of settle into work. Um, So that's most of what's on my horizon. I'm teaching two C.S. Lewis classes. We'll send a link. There's one that you can, uh, I'm going to be going chapter by chapter, paragraph by paragraph through Screwtape um, for uh, for my parish, and that'll be on YouTube live if you want to jump in. Um, And then just kind of establishing myself in the diocese. I, uh, like I said, gave a talk today. I hope that there's more talks on the way. And um, so just kind of exploring what comes next and supporting Kristen as she writes uh, a bunch of books as well. (laughs) What about you, David? Well, I'm going to do a little bit of work on the website. I'm going to be bringing the old show notes a little bit more up to scratch. Uh, We are also going to be doing an upgrade, all of us, on our audio. So I'm going to spearhead that and test that out and get that working. And if all of our new setup works for me, I'll then send them out to Andrew and Matt Thank you again to Patreon supporters. You guys make this possible. This is actually the first time we've ever actually done anything with our audio because Matt and I bought our microphones before we had Patreon and we we bought Andrews and that's been it. But So this is the first time we we figured five years, over 300 episodes, it's time that we uh, got some really good mics so you can hear our dulcet tones in, in all <laughs> their smooth, smooth, sweet jazz sweetness. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Pints with Jack, the Kenny G version. (laughs) (laughs) Don't disc the G. No. And one last thing I'm going to be doing in preparation for next season is I'm automating a whole lot more of the stuff that I do behind the scenes, particularly the generation of the, the various show notes. And to do it, I'm building myself a Google chatbot. 
to so I can basically ask the chatbot to go ahead and create another episode for Out of the Silent Planet, and it'll create the folder in our Google Drive. It will it will generate the the document that we're going to use and ask me some questions about who's being interviewed, what's their book, etc. And uh, I'm going to name the chatbot because you know it's going to be my personal assistant. You know, Tony Stark has has uh, what was it? what was the name of his Pepper. No, 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 no. Oh, Jarvis. Jarvis. He has Jarvis. Yes. And so I thought it'd be appropriate if ours was called too. Walter. Oh. So Walter <laughs> continues to serve Lewis's uh, extended ministry. Oh, to Walter. <laughs> yes, to Walter. Yeah. Well, great. As our landlord rings the, the bell for final drinks. Are there any final things you gentlemen want to say before we take our break for a couple of months? Only check out our common room this month. We talk about our thoughts on Amazon's The Rings of Power. Got to say, episode three just came out since we recorded that. I'm a little bit more hopeful than I was when we first recorded, and I've changed a few of my theories. Uh, And also, if listeners want something to listen to in the meantime, while we're not on the air, I have three recommendations. The Lamppost Listener, they are moving through the Magician's Nephew at the moment. Talking Beasts, their season is starting in October. and Lastly, the podcast that I mentioned earlier on, Lesser Known Lewis, uh, two guys discussing Lewis's essays. And like I said, I'm sure we're going to have a crossover sometime in the near future. Lovely. Uh, Well, I have been gathering, I'm hoping to have two complete sets of uh, Chronicles of Narnia for sale just in time for Christmas. I've got a lot of back stock and a couple of editions of uh, Davies edition of Severe Mercy. So I think I have eight or nine first edition screw tapes lurking. So I'll be cranking that back up and, uh, and, and just looking forward to next season. So, and I'm just want to express my gratitude to our listeners and to you two brothers to be part of this great podcast. I hate that I have to dash off to work, but it's the best work I can think of. So uh, that's the best part of it. Well, thanks to all of, of you for spending this time with us. And thanks, especially as we've said throughout the episode, to our Patreon supporters, particularly our top tier supporters, Marvin, Joelle, and Angela, Deborah numbers one and two, Amanda, Thomas on Narnia Mouse, Bill and Joanna, Snort and Bud, Shane, John, Kevin and Brian, Kay, Paul, Kimberly, Gillis, Gary and Stephen, Matt and Kelly, Chris and John, James, Kate, Peter, David, and Rowdy. So please keep an eye on our social media and on our website, pintswithjack.com, and join us next season. When we'll be going further up and further in. Cheers. 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 Cheers.